Triple M Breakfast with Seb Costello and Lawrence Mooney can be heard on Triple M in Melbourne from 6 till 9. Or you can hear it right here in this podcast. Thanks to Mighty Helpful, Mighty 10. They're the local business that values having yours. Check out your local store online. Seb Costello and Lawrence Mooney filling in for Ed Mick and Dust this week. What a big weekend it's been. Yeah, I was at the Eddie Head Stadium yesterday for what was a really exciting game of footy between Hawthorne and the Western Bulldogs. Uh, I do a little work pre-game, Lawrence, for the Western Bulldogs these days. What is your capacity days. down there? I MC the their president's functions. All oh, right. And got to... Jobs for the boys. No, got to do a little bit of work with uh, Dennis Cometti yesterday. Nice who was telling a story about how when he lived, uh, he still lives out west, but he was picked up by one of the football clubs in the Waffle as coach. And uh, I said, oh, what was that all about? And he said in a very Dennis way, I think the president of the football club decided he'd get a coach and an MC for a cheap price. <laughs> so uh, well done to Dennis. That's a very good Indian taxi driver impersonation <laughs> you've just done there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Been working on it for 24 hours and you shot it down pretty quickly. Plenty happening this morning. We'll be keeping an eye on the Masters over there at Augusta, mm. the race for the green jacket with Jordan Spieth looking sensational. Uh, it's pretty much, you know, I guess British Open aside, it's the biggest golfing tournament in the world, isn't it, the Masters? It's got a lot of mystique about it. Yeah, very much so. And uh, yesterday, you see Jason Day was playing with Bernhard Langer, the two-time Augusta winner, German, 54 years old, mm. and Big Bernie was killing it. Shot himself into the uh, third position on the card. I remember following Bernhard Langer around Royal Huntingdale in about 1981 at the Victorian Open. <laughs> really? Seriously. You were, a, you were a Burnhead. Yeah. Well, he was the big name on the card. It's like, oh, get excited, everyone. Bernhard Langer's coming to the Vic Open. <laughs> I didn't have you as a fanboy for Bernhard Langer. <laughs> well, I was. I've still probably got that program floating around at home somewhere. Oh, it's good times. Striding up the green, up, up the fairway with his niblicks on. Here comes Bernhard. <laughs> it was a nightmare scenario for the Western Bulldogs yesterday, mm. man. They go down by three points to the Hawks thanks to a Sicily goal right at the death. And in the same marking contest that led to that goal, their captain, their spiritual leader, Bob Murphy, goes down with what looks to be an ACL knee injury. Is the coach Luke Beveridge post-game. Uh, he's no good. Yeah, I think it's bad news. It's... It's quite shattering, but um, you know we know what sort of person he is and what sort of character he is. So um, he'll uh, he'll bounce back. But um, yeah, it's sad news. Yeah, they're they're tight knit, uh, close knit bunch. You know we're we're really close, and um, and it'll, they'll be hurting tonight. Not not just because of the uh, of the loss, but they'll be hurting more for Bob. Uh, we all will be. So yeah, it's my job to uh, to pick them up early, and you know we already had that chat at the end of the game, and yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll dust ourselves off, we'll we'll process um, the emotional side of uh, Bob's injury, and uh, by the end of the week we we'll be ready for the Blues. Luke Beveridge is something else, isn't he? He's uh, such a charismatic leader, and uh, he's an interesting man to look at because he's got a bit of the 80s mullet going on, a bit of the tradie look about him. And uh, you were telling me that he's he's not a tradie. Not he, at all. No, he's got a very intellectual background in the tax office. He mm. was an auditor. Right. And so he's a man of, of contradictions, and, and like I said, it creates a charisma, but I think he's such a great leader at that club. Mind you, this is a massive blow. Bob Murphy was going to play his 300 this year, possibly, you know, push the dogs to into the top four and maybe on towards a premiership. And so 
that's going to be hurting. The way Luke Beveridge spoke then, I don't think you would hear any other coach in the AFL speak in those terms. They've lost a big game, but the one thing he's talking about is the loss of an individual player from that list. And not only that, he's talking about the emotional process that the list now has to undergo. I mean, doesn't that speak to the importance of Bob Murphy to the Western Bulldogs list? I think in a way that no other player brings to their list at another club. And also the refreshing and frank way in which Luke Beveridge addresses it too. He doesn't talk in footy speak. He doesn't dress it up. Uh, and when they were talking about, you know, keeping a lid on it, our producer Sarah Fayola said, you know, she heard Luke Beveridge say, no, we're enjoying it. We've had two good wins. You know, it's not really a, a massive achievement, but why wouldn't you, you know, enjoy it? So... He's a unique man and also talking about emotion so boldly too. Yeah. I mean, he's sort of the poet laureate of the AFL, Bob Murphy. You know, yes, the way he The way he, he writes in his column in The Age is he's very thoughtful. He's a thinker. You know, and not only that, playing some of the best football of his life as the All-Australian captain. He's just a wonderful figure in the game and I think everybody would be thinking of Bob Murphy this morning. Yeah, and I would never wish anything on any other footballer, but everyone who isn't a Hawthorne supporter was thinking, why couldn't it have been the other way around? <laughs> why couldn't Hawthorne go down? Yeah. Why couldn't they lose a champion? Because it's just so classic <laughs> of, 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 no, of Footscray or, or the Western Bulldogs mm. to again have... You know, the tragedy happened to them. Mm. Uh, I mean, they're a club that's taken hits over the years. But, you know, that's footy. Yeah, indeed. And As Libba once said, it's an emotional game. It you. is. I'd love to know some of the other things Libba said at the bottom of the pack when he was in there <laughs> scragging for the dogs. Moonman, can I draw your attention to the fact that the Essendon Football Club is currently above last year's minor premiers Fremantle on the AFL ladder? We are above three clubs mm. on the AFL ladder. We're above Collingwood. Carlton. Uh, I mean, Carlton, Fremantle, and... Uh, is it, uh, it is the Brisbane Lions. The Brisbane Lions, mm. yes. So, mate, there you go. But one positive for the Dogs yesterday, uh, 46,000 or so people in. It was their highest home crowd at Etihad Stadium for five years. So there's a buzz around the kennel at the moment, Moon Man. There is, and uh, we wait on uh, news about Bob's knee, and hopefully he isn't out for good. Moon Man, we're keeping an eye on the Masters and you were saying you had a round at the mini golf course once where mm. you were Jordan Spieth. Yeah, it was uh, 2011 and um, <laughs> I was in Fiji with Lulu and uh, my daughter uh, Lily, my eldest daughter, and I got onto the uh, mini golf and we played every morning after breakfast. Well, one morning I hit four <laughs> holes in one. What? And all of a sudden people were coming out of the little hut uh, the Fijians, it's like this guy's on track for a course record and they had it up there on the side of the hut. And uh, I was playing in a foursome and everyone was very excited for me and I was being followed around the mini golf course in the end, like a 1981 Bernhard Langer at the Vic Open. Were you playing for the historical floral jacket on the Fiji <laughs> mini golf course? Right. And the lay. Uh, and I got onto uh, the final hole and I blew up and shot a six. Oh. And uh, uh, devastating stuff. Right, you, you, up the up the up the hill at the sixth, and then back down the hill. <laughs> Leading uh, up to this immortal round, were you living more like Jordan Spieth or like John Daly? No, I was. It was very much the John Daly <laughs> Fiji experience. Cup I'd of kava in one yeah, hand. That's right. I'd had a couple of uh, shells of kava that morning, <laughs> just to take the edge off. <laughs> oh, love it, Lawrence Tiger Woods Mooney. Oh yeah, is dominating over there. It in was. Fiji. It, I know the heartbreak 
Uh, I felt like the great white, you know, coming down the final <laughs> hole. It's like, it's a lot of pressure. And then afterwards, you got kidnapped, bundled into a car and driven out the back of the beach. <laughs> That's right. What a weird time that it was. It was a weird time. It's such <laughs> the, the all-encompassing golf experience. <laughs> <laughs> Mooman, before the news, we mm. were having a little discussion about the great Australian hairstyles. And if you go on to our Twitter at the moment, Rosie's looking at it, at MMM Hot Breakfast. I just had to do a quick touch-up with a bit of the hairspray <laughs> during the with break. With the Schwarzkopf. You thought it was too. weird. Why? Uh, I thought it was weird. I, I don't think it's weird. I Thank like you. the idea that you've got your hairspray there. Well, in You're this a man gift, that's you have this have... look on your face that you've never seen anything so preposterous. No, I was, I'm, I was looking at your style. I was examining exactly how you apply. Did you find and any? And in the gif there that we've got uh, put up on Twitter, you're looking very John Travolta. You've got uh, a great bearing about you, and mm. you look like a man that, you know, um, I'm a woman's man, no time to talk kind of a thing. But, of course, being in your position in the public eye, you have to maintain a great bouffant. Uh, and we want to talk about the great Australian bouffant. No, my favourite. I don't think there has ever been a better hairstyle in Australian society since the great Danny Southern at the Western Bulldogs. What was it particularly about Southern's do that you liked? Well, he really peaked when he went basically the full shave and then went the extended sort of Chinese monk look with the long ponytail at the back. Mm. Not a rat's tail. Oh, no. This was a full-headed ponytail off the back of a shaved head. Right. So uh, nothing coming off the neckline, straight out of the back of the bonds. Ex- oh. <laughs> Absolutely. An I, exceptional I, work. I would described like to... as a skullet. Right. <laughs> the skull yep. exposure. Any time. And then the mullet. I, I uh, would think an honourable mention would have to go to Whispering Jack oh, yeah. of the mid-80s. Beautiful blonde tresses trained into a mullet mm. and uh, quite large out the front too. wasn't sh- cut short. Uh, so there's a lot of hairstyle going on there. Mm. Just magnificent and also emulated by my brother Stephen for most of the <laughs> 80s. Did your brother Stephen also <laughs> replace the common tie with a shoelace for most of the decade? <laughs> no, he didn't. No, okay. He went with a thin tie, yeah. a leather tie. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he respected and revered. The, and also, you know, it was a, a bit of the the Dermot Brereton's too, that the big blonde. But he does mind. do gigs with Chong Lim. Go figure. It's mm. good on you, Stephen. Uh, Michael O'Brien, the former treasurer of Victoria, has tweeted in at MMM Hot Breakfast, the great Vin Cotoggio from Carlton with the big sort of, I guess you'd call it, a, you'd call it an afro, really. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Uh, beautiful work. Yeah. There's been uh, There's been quite a few afros around. And then... Female hairstyles too. Oh, Bron- yeah. Bronwyn Bishop. Oh wow! Is that a French role? If if she she's leaving <laughs> politics, what it appears to be, there is definitely a job for her as a prison warden with that sort of <laughs> tied pulled back bun. <laughs> You've become quite emotional about that, haven't you? <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Hands where I can see them. So uh, do you, do you, <laughs> on top of the table, uh, and that's just any Liberal Party meeting. Um, do you? Who are your influences when it comes to hair? So? Alan Rascal. I already said oh, he right, is okay. the great. The, 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 he is the trendsetter for all of us. I mean, Ray Martin's good, but there is no uh, better than Alan Rascal. Let's mm. be honest. We've also got a suggestion of uh, the great man, and I'll let you do this, but he played full forward for Sydney and Brisbane, wore very tight shorts. His name was Warwick. Kappa. Yep. Extended out a little bit. Absolutely. Kappa! So, uh, I'm a Kappa! Great... <laughs> so we want your suggestions. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, give us a call. 
Who are your favourite Australian hairstyles? One triple three five three, or you can tweet us at MMM Hot Breakfast. In the meantime, you can have a look at Lawrence and I applying a little bit of hairspray. Mm. It's the biggest golf tournament in the world, the Augusta National, the Masters. Jordan Spieth at the moment, killing it as he has been all weekend. And another man who's been killing it, hosting Fox Sports coverage of the Masters, is Brett Ogle. And we are very pleased to have your company. G'day, Brett. Good morning. Now, let's start with the Aussies. Jason Day slipped a bit. What's happened? Yeah, he's just made bogey at 10. So, unfortunately, uh, Jason, right as we speak, is uh, at one over par, and he's eight shots back now, Jordan Spieth, who has just made four birdies in a row. Oh, gosh. He makes, I mean, somebody said that Jordan Spieth makes Augusta his B1TCH. He just plays this course so well, doesn't he? You know, it's incredible because the first year that he came out to play in 2014, you remember he was leading that tournament as a 20-year-old and uh, wasn't, I think he bogeyed eight and double bogeyed nine and then Bubba Watson went on to beat Jordan and then last year, well, we all know that he shot 18 under and again, he's just on fire. I mean, how many green jackets can this kid own by the end of his career? You've got to remember (laughs) he's only 22. We've just seen a reasonable shot, too, off the TV, Brett. You mm. probably won't be seeing that. I think it was Henrik, perhaps. And, yeah, uh, and the ball cannoned into somebody else's and then went into the hole. Awesome shot. Brett, you would have gone around Augusta in your time. What's it like? Yeah, I, I mean, the first time I came here back in 1993, I, I couldn't believe how hilly this place is. Um, it looks reasonably flat, I guess, on your TV screens, but it's incredibly hilly. And... Uh, the tall pines and the whole place is just has such an awe about it. And uh, how many people come here each day? Like there's 40,000 people every day. It's incredible. And what's the kind of weather condition? Is it a humid place, Augusta? Well, so, sunny as it is, but this week it's been uh, a cool, uh, coolish with uh, strong westerly winds. Mm. The day started off uh, a little bit frosty this morning but not as much wind. Uh, it's been a beautiful day, but generally when you come here to Augusta, it's uh, no wind this time of the year in April and uh, beautiful blue sunny days. This Gorgeous. is going to seem a little out of left field, Brett, but we have been talking about the great German all morning, Bernhard Langer. <laughs> Moonman's a particular fan, and yesterday he shot a sensational third round. How's he going today? Yeah, I'm just looking at the leaderboard here. Yeah, and I think he's dropped. <laughs> well, that tells yeah. us all we need to know, unfortunately. So what is with the renaissance Ooh. of Bernhard Langer? Because I followed him around uh, Royal Huntingdale at the 1981 Vic Open. So, <laughs> I mean, why is he all of a sudden burst back onto the scene? Well, you know, it's it's funny because it's not a matter of him bursting back onto the scene. You've got to remember two years ago as a 56-year-old, he finished uh, eighth at this tournament. He owns two green jackets mm. there, 1980. Uh, through, uh, well, what was it, 1985 and... 19, uh, sorry, yeah, 1985, 1993. So he knows how to get the ball around. But the thing about a golf ball, you blokes, is it doesn't know how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Uh, hope for all of us. Well, mate, the final round of the US Masters is live in HD right now on Fox Sports, the world first dedicated Masters channel. And Brett Igle, you've been doing a great job all weekend. Thanks for joining us on Triple M. Good on you, lads. Have a great Monday morning. It's a shame we haven't got an Aussie uh, over the line. Doesn't look like it, but uh, hey, Jordan Speed, he is a marvel. See you later. Moon Man, we were talking bad hairstyles, and someone has tweeted us Ooh. one of the worst I've seen today. Yep. It is what, a 2002, 2003 vintage Lawrence Mooney with the Sunsilk custom highlight style blonde do. And uh, around about that time when I decided to go blonde, 
Oh, I tell you what, it's a real sign to the world that you're in trouble. <laughs> is it a cry for help? It's, it is it? a cry for help. And do you know what it, what it attracts? It attracts other people who have dyed their hair blonde. You have a pretty good time. You but, look like um, a peroxided Steve Irwin. Right. <laughs> I've got the khaki shirt on. You are. I went, I went to the dentist around about that time to inquire about teeth whitening. Did you? And he said to me, I wouldn't worry about getting your teeth whitened, mate. They're not as yellow as your hair. <laughs> Hang on. Somebody refused your business to have a crack at your hairstyle. Well, he's a very good dentist. He said, you shouldn't do it. It undermines the integrity of your amalgam restorations. I can't get over this Steve Irwin comparison. I want to look at some other hairstyles. It needs to be a meme. Crikey, it's Lawrence Mooney. (laughs) On it. Yeah, thank you. Rosie's all on board that. What what is that from? Is that from is that a promo pick from when you're looking at it? That was a promo pick from when I was working for an opposition radio station whose call sign no longer exists in this city. It was Mix 101.1. More music that makes you feel like you're in a shop. Was it a wildlife program? (laughs) (laughs) Magnificent. Some other nominations coming through. Buddha Hocking with the great curly mullet. Do we call that a curlet? Of course, Buddha was uh, famous for changing his name to Whiskers for a short while. That was one of the great stunts. Nicole Kidman very early on too. Real ranger. Real yep. rang with the curly hair and uh, quite a beautiful hairdo too. BMX Bandits, period. Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen that one. I haven't seen Caddyshack. Uh, we've got <laughs> another uh, suggestion of Darren Morgan from, the, from Geelong. Had a flowing mullet according to Wayne off Twitter. I have to Google that one. Have we named the mayor of Geelong yet as one oh, of the great hairdos? Oh, good call, Mooney. Yeah, what a, like a what do you call it a mohawk. It's a mohawk, a pink mohawk. But it can be tamed for the day. Like mm. recently, there was quite a sombre ceremony down at Geelong, and the Lord Mayor had combed it back so you could still see the blonde streak running through the middle, but it wasn't all cockatooed up off the skull. Right, like a nice skunk kind of a look. Yeah, no, he's uh, he, he gets him going down there. Some great hairstyles. Keep them coming at MMM Hot Breakfast. We have just watched one of the most impressive hole-in-ones I think I've ever seen. It was uh, an amazing shot, uh, rolling onto the green, cannoning off an opposition player's ball and into the hole. Unbelievable. Like Bill Murray said, it's in the hole. (laughs) Well said. Now, we've got some audio of the call. It's come off the TV, so the quality isn't 100%, but you should be able to get the idea. This is Louis Oosthuizen going off the 16th. Louis Oosthuizen, king of the swingers. J.B. Holmes is as bull as there. Has he got a bit round it somehow or other? Oh, it's... No! No, just go on, go on! Oh, it's a <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen anything like that ever in my life? Not exactly great word pictures there from the commentary team. Not describing anything that's happening. Uh, the ball rolled onto the green, cannoned off another ball, and then continued on its merry way into the hole. Not the first hole in one today, no, as it it's, turns out. It's been raining holes in one at Augusta. There was a man, uh, Shane Lowry, on the, uh, earlier in the day. He had a hole in one on the 16th as well. Davis Love, apparently, so I'm told, did all right. And I think at the start of the week, if you go back to practice, Gary Player... At about 80 years of, of age, knocked mm. one in as well. One of the great golfers, South African Gary Player. Uh, as is uh, Oosthuizen. Is he really? Yeah. Well, it's that South African thing they do. What, what would a South African golf coach sound like, Moon Man? I'll tell you what, why don't you get out your wood and your tea <laughs> and hit that ball straight into the hole? 
straight past the bonker, straight into the hole. That's how he would tell his players to do it. That is fantastic. This is the biggest police operation going in Melbourne at the moment. You need to know about it, and Christina Hearn from Channel 9 is all over it. It concerns the 15-year-old who died at the weekend. And, Christine, where's the investigation at? Well, Seb, the latest I can tell you is that here at this Heidelberg West property, this is where young Sanaya Sahib lived with her mother, Safina. It was Safina's brother's house, so little Sanaya's uncle. Now, the reason they were here is that Safina had uh, split with Sanaya's father and they were staying here. Now, I can tell you that we saw homicide detectives and forensics here yesterday, uh, last night at the property. They spent about four hours uh, going through it, bring, certainly bringing out items from the home, going through discarded rubbish on the front lawn, talking to neighbours, obviously looking for at CCTV, anything which could help them solve this murder of, uh, of course, uh, this family devastated after little Safina's body was found submerged in the Darabin Creek about a quarter to three yesterday morning, found by a family uh, who had joined the search for her. What a horrible discovery. Um, there is a report that, yes, uh, as you mentioned, there's, there's homes around the area that have CCTV cameras, so police are obviously looking at that footage. Yeah, that's right, Lawrence. And, uh, of course, what Safina has said is that it was 10, about 10 o'clock Sunday morning that she took young Sanaya out for a walk in nearby Olympic Park, so they'd mm. be looking at that uh, for any CCTV, just tracking her movements. Uh, she says that um, she was sitting on a park bench that's when a man of African appearance, barefoot, black hooded top, smelling of alcohol, approached them, pushed uh, Safina over and snatched the young top from the pram and ran off. Safina says she tried to give chase. She couldn't catch up. She didn't have her mobile phone with her. So she ran back here uh, to the Heidelberg West property and ran, uh, raised the alarm. So certainly police would be looking at any CCTV. Uh, and she says that the, the offender then took off towards Northland Shopping Centre. So no doubt they'd be scouring uh, that area as well for CCTV. Terribly sad story. And we certainly send our best wishes to Detective Senior Sergeant Stewie Bailey and the team working on that case. Christina Hearn from Channel 9, thanks for the update. Thanks, guys. And Sanaya is 15 months old. I said 15 years in the introduction, so I'll just correct myself much younger than that, which uh, I guess, you know, is why this is such a tragic case. For a long time, Seb, uh, our current and former swimmers uh, in and out of the pool have been making headlines for the wrong reasons, especially since a very poor performance at the 2012 London London Olympics. And uh, now it seems like our swim team is back on track. Very much so. They're, they've knuckled down. Although, what did you make of the decision of the swim team to not march in the opening ceremony of Rio? Well, and if they're going to compete very soon after that, and it can go for a long time, the opening ceremony, as we all know, we've all seen them grow more and more with the opening spectacular and then the marching. And I agree, if you're going to compete within the next 24 hours, that not marching is fine. You don't need the whole team there. A flag bearer and some representation is fine. Mm, okay. In fact, I would say let's reduce the, the size of the teams down to five or six for each country so it doesn't go on forever. So you would steal a chance for an athlete to walk into the Olympic Stadium at the start of a Games so you can watch the ceremony a bit quicker at home in Cushy Armadale. I'm giving You're the... going to steal a dream from someone who's worked their whole lives for this one moment. 
Well, I reckon that they can probably um, maybe be in the stadium and, you know, even get onto oh, that centre oh, area. allowed to be. Oh, but not nice. March. No, that's good. I'm yeah. glad you've let them, you know, they've, they've only dedicated 20 years to getting there. Oh, yeah, because that's the most important thing about the Olympics, marching into the stadium <laughs> in a horrific blazer <laughs> no, no, and the taking most a important- selfie. The most important thing clearly is Lawrence Mooney getting to bed on time because those inconsiderate athletes just take too long to march in. See, do you learn how to do that at journalism school? <laughs> take somebody's words and twist them around? Yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I was very good at that, class. You, yeah, you are very good at that because <laughs> you missed your calling as a prosecution attorney. Our swimmers, those who carry the torch for our Olympic team every four years, are currently competing for those glorious spots to Rio. And joining us from Channel Seven, who's been dominating on the championships coverage, is Gian Rooney. Good morning, Gian. Good morning, sir. Morning, was. Morning, Gian. Listen to the friendliness between Gian and Lawrence Mooney. We go back a long way. <laughs> Seb Costello has got some questions for you, Gian. I do. I do. Uh-oh. Now, Gian, I've always respected you. You're a world champion. You're a gold medalist. You dominate on the Seven Network in your presenting roles. Why does someone as intelligent of you as you ask Lawrence Mooney to MC your wedding? Greatest wedding MC ever. Really? Oh, boom. <laughs> Look at the phones light up with offers for the moon man. Really? Absolutely. You go go the best of the best. Loz him. <laughs> he was absolutely brilliant. Love Loz. Can't complain. Sorry, Seb, you're not going to win this. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Gian. You're a professional. Oh. My goodness, I'm I'm staggered. I can't even talk swimming anymore. But uh, (laughs) we've seen some great results, though, Gian. We'll talk about them in a moment because I am gazing ahead to uh, the 100-metre freestyle, which uh, is, you know, it's it's a big event. James Magnuson was a guy who was around. Then along came Cam McAvoy, who's dominating. And now Matthew Aboon right back into it as well. It is a star-studded field. It's just, it it keeps throwing up a few different... I guess, challenges each time the boys swim because you'd have to say Cam McAvoy is out in front with Clearwater second. Uh, He switched (laughs) off in his semi-final last night twice, Mm. I believe. Uh, Once at the 80-metre mark mark, and again just under the flag. So Cam McAvoy, I think, wins. Daylight second, which is huge (laughs) in a 100 freestyle. And then... I don't think anyone can really quite predict what's going to happen here. When no one expected Matabood to swim out of lane one in his semi-final last night as fast as he did, everyone's talking about Kyle Chalmers, a 17-year-old from South Australia who is the size of the Hulk (laughs) and swimming brilliantly from uh, um, age championships last week. He's the world junior champion. James Magnuson, we haven't seen what he can do since he's had shoulder surgery mm. last year, since he missed Kazan World Championships. So I, he's definitely got the challenge up against him, Maggie. I, I haven't seen anything that I've loved from him during these championships yet so far. So wait and see what happens tonight. But you keep throwing in all these people. And then don't forget Jake Packard, who was number two in the world back in 2012, to James Magnuson as well. So... Anything can happen tonight. It, 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 as I said, star started field, but you'd have to say McAvoy wins. So McAvoy, uh, it is a, it's a, an Olympic year, 2016, and we don't want to put too much pressure on, but then his chances of meddling in Rio, and I use meddling as a verb, as we do when an yeah. Olympic year comes around. Uh, absolutely. He was sensational in the 200 free uh, in, earlier in the meet. 
tying with Thomas Fraser Holmes for the equal Australian championship spot. But he was second silver medalist from Kazan in the 100 freestyle. So in terms of medals, we talk a lot about Cam McAvoy mm. and his time that he set in Perth for the 100 freestyle is still the number one time in the world this year. Exciting. So you'd have to say that he's gold medal favourite at this stage for the 100 free. And who were the other big chances for Rio? Oh, where do we start? We've had an absolute blinder already at this point in terms of times that will, would equate to medal positions in Rio if it all stayed the same. So very, very exciting. Emma McKeon made the team again last night for the 200 freestyle, breaking her own Australian and Commonwealth record. So she's on fire. She's also qualified in the 100 fly. We have so many... Um, medal-winning chances already that is quite exciting. Um, I'm trying to think. Everything's been amazing. Um, Alicia Coots made her third Olympic team last year by winning the 200 IM. She's had a horror run in injuries at the end of 2014, so she's back on our third Olympic team. Bronte Barrett made her third Olympic team last night. So we've got a great mix of youth and wisdom, which I think really helps out the team dynamics as bit well. A bit like and this breakfast show, uh, I have to say, Gian. No, <laughs> well said. Movement. And, and it seems that the Australian swimming team is back on track after the controversy of London and the disappointing performances there. Yeah, I think the last four years has been an incredible turnaround. They only won one gold medal in London, which was a women's 4 by one freestyle relay on night one. So we were expecting big things and then it just didn't quite pan out. We had a lot of minor medals and I think this time around, if everything goes to plan, they all should equate to gold. And you'd have to say led by our backstroke world champions, our dual backstroke world champions in Emily Seabom and Mitch mm. Larkin have just been so consistent in the last 12 months. A little bit of bias continuing. there. Absolutely. <laughs> as a, as a former backstroker, I'm a little bit biased. It helps that their relationship is rock solid as well. So yes, well. Partners, yeah, partners in life. Listen well, to Moon Man. He's just working out his next MC wedding gig there. Yeah, That's... well, I was about to say, get him on the ground floor. <laughs> Gold medal performance from you, Gian, as a swimming commentator at the Australian Championships, live on 7 tonight from 9pm. Great to talk to you, Gian Rooney. Thank you, boys. Extraordinary stuff happening at Augusta at the moment. You have to get around this. Jordan Spieth has been smashing this course all weekend. And over the past couple of holes, well, Moon Man, I asked you to summarise his performance in sound. Here's what you came up with. <coughs> he's gone the full... Yeah. He's gone the full Norman. Uh... He, he's choking. His last three holes. Like a man with a chicken bone lodged in his trachea. A bogey on the 10th, bogey on the 11th, a quadruple bogey on the 12th to drop six shots back to fourth. Willett now in front at four under, into Lee Westwood at three under, Dusty Johnson at two under. Could it be that Jordan Spieth, after an amazing three days of golf, could be putting the green jacket on somebody else? Later this morning. And it is the stuff that nightmares are made of. That will haunt him for the rest of his life. How many strokes up was he? He was seven under. He's now into one under. And speaking of the stuff of nightmares, <coughs> oh, can we never hear that again? <coughs> it's been dubbed, what are we calling Jordan Spieth's performance at the Masters? Choke gate, are oh, we? Gosh, it is some pretty extraordinary sports story I'm developing at the moment. He's dropped six strokes to be tied for fourth at one under. Danny Willett. 
an Englishman, is currently leading the Masters. This is only the second time he's ever played the Masters. He finished 38th last year. As I say, he's from Sheffield. He's a 28-year-old. His old man's a preacher, so he is the son of a preacher, man. And at the moment, he I've just is... watched Jordan Spieth. It looks like he deliberately just hit the ball into the water. Hang I on. don't want to draw any comparisons with some of the greats of golf when it comes to choking, but there's one name that pops into my head. Mooney on the mini golf course in Fiji. That's right. Shangri-La. Uh, I, was, I was going for a course record <laughs> and uh, <laughs> choked on the final hole. I hit a six and it all just, all the dreams evaporated. I know what Jordan Spieth's going through out there today. So uh, I've had it. Maybe when, we, when I told that story, we we put the moxer on. Maybe him. we did. Yeah. Do you know we actually had a microphone on the mini golf course in Fiji when you shot that round? Are you really? Here's what it sounded like. Yeah. <coughs> that is true yeah. audio from that the day. Is, that's a man trying to bring up the course record right there. Absolutely. Uh, now, here's a man who has set a different type of record, Moon Man. You would have read about this guy over the weekend. A Melbourne man who had to be rescued after spending the night inside a Crown Casino air shaft. So he woke up with no memory of how he got there. Mm. The emergency crews took three hours to locate him, finally getting to him early Sunday morning using Google Maps on his phone to get him to that location. Police said he was lucky that he had his phone with enough battery to activate his GPS as he would never have gotten out on his own and no one would have found him. So he would have spent his final days in an air shaft at Crown Casino. How did he get in there? Now, exactly. It has been said that Crown Casino is hard to get out of. But surely you find a door rather than an air shaft. Well, I, I'm thinking, did he find his way onto the roof and in through an air shaft? And who knows? It's he, hangover-esque. Yeah, he's got no memory of it. And I think we've all had those experiences where we've ended up somewhere and thought, I've got no idea of how I ended up here. I didn't. Sounds like a story's coming on. Yes, I, okay. Last comedy festival, I made my way home at what I thought was a reasonable hour of 4.30 in the morning. Responsible. Yep. Uh, let's get out before the dawn. And because uh, then, you know, there's no turning back. There isn't. And so I came through the front door and I thought, yeah, that's not too bad. And headed down the back to get onto the couch so I didn't disturb my family sleeping inside. Consider it. And then I, about 8.30, my wife <laughs> came down into the lounge room and said, Loz, what are you doing? And I was standing, staring at a wall. And I said, I don't. I don't know. I looked at my watch and said, what time is it? She said, it's 8.30. I said, I've been here for four hours. <laughs> Just staring at a wall for four hours. One triple In three, a trance. One triple three five three. When have you woken up somewhere with no idea how you got there? Give us a call. One triple three five three. Hit us up on Twitter. If you can get the story into 140 characters. You've got a story, but you, I know you're, you're very oh, tight-lipped about well, this. Well, maybe. See what we do. And this man has been dubbed Melbourne's loosest bloke. Woke up in Crown Casino. <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's some competition out call. there. That's the headline. Because, you know, I have been dubbed a loose unit. You, you are a loose unit. Need but I remind fact, you, you? You dubbed me a loose unit on this very show over the summer. I did. And then you showed, you proved me correct when we had our wind up drinks. On that day that will be known as Black Wednesday. Oh, but the we things are, that unfolded oh that day. Oh, my goodness. No, let's keep that off Everyone there. shamed themselves, <laughs> the country and their families that day. Well, this man, Melbourne's loosest bloke, woke up in Crown Casino Sunday morning, no idea how he got there, and used Google Maps to help emergency services find him, which has prompted the responsible question, 
When have you woke up with no idea how you got there? To Newtown. Steve, you got a story for us? Yeah, how are you boys? Very well, Steve. I Enjoying the show, yes, I did 40 years ago now it is. All right, so it's beyond the statute uh, of limitations. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I was, uh, I was at Crowell Castle in Ballarat at the disco there. Great. I had the nice white pants on and the light blue shirt. Yes, and, please. And uh, drinking uh, brown headbangers and dancing <laughs> on the table there all night. And then I must have got a bit of a head spin, so I've locked myself in the toilet. And then I woke up and it was quiet and dark. And I've come out and there's not a soul around. And I thought, gee, what's going on here? So I've gone out into the uh, Crow Castle area. There's German shepherds patrolling there. So they chased me out the back. Oh. I've had to climb up the big wall. And I've jumped over the other side in the dark. And I've landed in the moat, which is full of dirty, murky water. I've oh. had to swim across <laughs> there and walk into Ballarat. I'm dripping wet. It's about three degrees. The wow. police have pulled me over on the highway and said, what's going on? I told them, I said, gee, I'm glad to see you boys. Can I get a ride home? <laughs> and they said, you're an idiot. You can walk. Oh. Oh. So Steve, how do I survive to tell the tale, boys? It's a good tale. And I think you've done the Ballarat version of the Ben Cousins triathlon. <laughs> yeah. You when remember? I read that story, I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what Cousy was going through. Good on you, Steve. It's to... very Game of Thrones, the whole thing, isn't oh, it? It uh, reminds me of a story I might tell you a bit later. To Vermont and Will, when have you woke up somewhere with no idea where you were? Oh, yeah, good day. Um, well, uh, a few years back, we went on a box in Vegas. Yes. Friends of mine. Mm. And we were uh, staying at the Bellagio, and first night went way too hard. And um, I, I can't remember anything. I just remember, like, the plane landed, and the next thing, I'm underneath a table where the um, elevators are being prodded by a maid to say, you know, mate, what the hell are you doing under here? I'm like, oh, okay, stood up, got out of there, and then for some unknown reason, my mate, Robbo, who was walking around looking for me, he just gone, Will, Will. And I was like, oh, shit, there's Robbie. And then him and I just started running. And then the next thing, you know, I ended up back in my room. And I'm thinking, oh, God, how the hell did I get to the table? But more to the fact, where the hell is my passport, my wallet, oh. and my camera? And, uh, yeah, so the passport was down at the front desk. And the other things were in my room strategically hidden when I was drunk. So right. I'm like, oh, I'll put them somewhere safe. Oh, that's but, yeah, good. So the, the mate had a fair surprise of a six-foot-six. Well, larrikin under a table, mm. having a nap covered in his own drawers. I love so, it. Will, you, your higher self looks after you to the point where hides your valuables whilst your id goes on a rampage. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Good on you, Will. That is a magnificent story. Uh, we'll keep those calls coming or on Twitter at MMM Hot Breakfast. We got one from Jason at MMM we do, Hot Rosie? Breakfast saying, too many beers and I woke up zombie-like on my roof sitting in my beanbag. Must have been a good night. Uh, fantastic. Mm. Actually, Moon Man, we've got... Got some prizes to give away. Uh, well, Will, Will and Steve, you have both won a $50 drink card Maybe. for Anzac Day. Maybe that's what they don't need, but At anyway. Melbourne Public, there's live music DJs and a big screen for the game, the Bombers and the Magpies, melbournepublic.com.au. We might get another phone topic after Anzac Day, Moon Man, that's out an, of those prizes. That's an awesome prize from Melbourne Public too on Anzac Day. One more quick one from Smash Moto on Twitter. Woke up to a family of strangers looking at me after a party. I'd slept in the wrong house. They gave me a shirt <laughs> and money for bus fare. That's lovely. It's yeah. very Australian. I think it's nice when you can wake up in a in the wrong house and the people are like, yeah, very understanding Isn't about it. Isn't that nice? <laughs> oh, sorry, wrong house.
My mistake. Here's a shirt and yeah. some bucks. <laughs> there you go. Have a hot cross bun and enjoy your day. <laughs> and Moo Man, we were talking to Gian Rooney before about the swimming. Mm-hmm. And Adam F uh, was a little bit disappointed that I didn't ask Gian whether it was a slow or a fast pull. Oh, key question. So I got straight back to Gian Rooney for you, Adam F, uh, to ask. And she said, ha, huh, they don't really have fast or slow pulls anymore. They all have to have similar components to make times fair. Mm. So it doesn't fluctuate. Okay. So they must have the same um, alkaline reading from the, you know, the pool guy gets down and does the... Little test there. I don't know how you make it pull faster or slower, to tell you the truth. <laughs> mm, no, it's a interesting question of physics. But uh, there you go, Adam. It's uh, it's all the same nowadays. Well, I'm very excited, Moon Man. Our next guest, one of our favourites from the Triple M footy team. Ready. A bounce, a right for Nada. The biggest high five you've ever seen in your life. Hey. Come on, mate. Follow me. Follow me to the bench. Five. This is Brian Taylor. Looks like I'm the only one to win a Coleman and be in a film. And this is Bristles Missile. Take your flags, stick them you know where. A Coleman medalist voted the best commentator in football. It's time for a Monday morning missile. Morning, BT. Uh, good morning, Seb. How are you? How are things down in those back lanes of Fitzroy this morning? Uh, no, not in Fitzroy. Out on the farm today. It's a beautiful day out here. Just watching the golf conclude this morning. What about Geordie Spieth? Yeah, well, he had a blow-up on that par three. But anyway, he's not going to win. Looks like the Pommy's going to win it. Yeah, Danny Willett, 28-year-old yep. from Sheffield. His old man's a preacher. Is he? Yep. Wow. Well, you ever you been go. to church? Well, no. no. <laughs> That's an honest answer. <laughs> Mum now, tried to get me to go to Sunday school one morning. Yep. I said, no, I won't be going to Sunday school, Mum. It's not that cool. Oh, Bristol. You've got to do what Mum says. Mm. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's who runs the church, yes. Nearer my Lord um, to thee. Indeed. Now, BT, let's... Uh, Get serious for a moment because uh, terrible injury for the Western Bulldogs. A potential ACL looks like it for their skipper and the All-Australian skipper, Bob Murphy. Just to set the scene, here is the coach of the Bulldogs, Luke Beveridge, after they lost to Hawthorne and also had a look at that injury to Bob Murphy. Yeah, they're, they're tight-knit, uh, close-knit bunch and they'll be hurting tonight. Not not just because of the, uh, of the loss, but they'll be hurting more for Bob. Uh, we all will be. So yeah, it's my job to uh, to pick them up early, and you know we've already had that chat. We'll uh, we'll dust ourselves off. We'll we'll process um, the emotional side of uh, Bob's injury, and uh, by the end of the week we we'll be ready for the Blues. BT, how big is this? Uh, look, it's huge. Uh, they don't need the scans. The scans are just. Uh... I mean, they had at the game yesterday, Dr. Gary, Gary Zimmerman, who's probably the best sports doctor in the business, mm. so he would have been able to tell. Then they had the surgeon that will actually do the surgery and determine what happens with him, David Young, at the game. So they would already, they absolutely already know that this is a uh, fait complete, that this is an ACL. I think the decision that, that they would be weighing up right now in their minds is, and I know David Young doesn't normally do last surgery, but given the age of Robert Murphy, given the circumstances of the Western Bulldogs' form this year, and given the fact that they need a quick recovery for him to play finals this year, I would think that they are tossing up in their minds right now whether they are going to go Lars or Ooh. conventional surgery. I personally think they'll go Lars. Gosh. And yeah. uh, so end of season, potentially, end of career, BT? Uh, yes, possibly. Um, because he would, well, he would play. He would play round one next year, probably. He'd get back in that time with the conventional surgery. 
But I, I, I just think if they go Lars, he's back, what, in... He's back, you know, uh, halfway, three-quarters of the way through this season, and he can still play this year. So I think that's that's what they'd be looking at, whether they decide to go that way, whether Robert Murphy is that way inclined to, to want to do it that way. Um, he will be, uh, we will find out. So I think that's the decision they'll be making in their minds right now, not... Matt. You know, not whether they've got an ACL because they've definitely got an ACL. Massive call because the Bulldogs have never gone down the Lars path before. So this would be quite significant if they were to do it. You heard the emotion. He talked about emotion. Luke Beveridge there, BT. I mean, is there a player when it comes to leadership, when it comes to the morale of the group, that is more key to his club than Bob Murphy is at the Dogs? Oh, look, there are. There's, there's a Bob Murphy at every club. There's no doubt sure, about that. Sure. There's a Bob Murphy at every club. But he, but he is ultra-important. He's, you know, he's the skipper off half-back, and uh, he's the director. He's the emotional uh, link to the whole team. Um, he's the one that acknowledges all the history of the past. He's a really important player for them. There's no getting away from that. But, you know, in football, this happens, and mm. often the best players are crueled by knee injuries like this, and, and you get on with it, and what we're going to find out about the Dogs is about their depth and uh, how they cover Rob Murphy. They've got, uh, they've got some other guys that can play off halfback and play well, but he will be sadly missed. He certainly will be, and we'll send him all our best. BT, just before we wind it up, you mentioned Gary Zimmerman, one of the doctors down there at the Dogs. They've also, of course, got Jake Landsberger. Yep. How exactly do the two split up the uh, medical situations between them? Well, look, uh, Jakey, uh, Jakey Landsberger, with the greatest respect to all of them, Jakey's the coughs, colds and sore holes. Uh, he fixes those, and uh, Zimmer looks after the uh, football injuries. Right, I thought uh, it was that uh, sort yeah. of scenario. Uh, he's so. a muscular man, and uh, the other one's all about the uh, any, any orifice he can find. Oh, yes. <laughs> BT from anyway, Triple M is footy. always handy. Uh, and he certainly is. He's also a part of the weekend breakfast, 7 a.m. Saturdays. Jake is, yeah. hand, is more handier than Zimmer. <laughs> BT. We'll speak to you during the week. Take care. See you, boys. And he's been dubbed Melbourne's loosest bloke. This is the guy who spent the night inside a Crown Casino air shaft, Moon Man, then woke up and said, i got no idea how I got here. The most disturbing thing about this story is police said he was lucky he had his phone with enough battery to activate his GPS as he would never have gotten out on his own and no one would have found him. Mm. So he would have had, had an existence eating bugs and rodents, mm. just living there, and he would have become the man in the shaft. <laughs> when they when they finally knocked Crown down, they would have found him, you know, 88 years old. The How long have you been in there, man. mate? Yes. Can you imagine the smells sucked off the Crown gaming room into that air shaft where he was lying? Mm. The, uh, the heavy waft of... Tracky Dak and, and victory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Smells like tears. Uh, Rosie, you've good happened before, apparently. Yes, I'd like to thank Graham Pollard, who tweeted me um, saying that uh, I'll, I'll read from the Age article from July 30, 2010. Exhausted, wow. Crown's shaft intruder still in hospital. Uh, at about 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, people at Automatic Cafe heard somebody above their pizza oven asking for help, and there was a man stuck up there. Um, and they're saying that the 25-year-old uh, was covered in grease fat and pulled from a duct that ventilates the complex restaurants, and the ambulance man says it looked like a cow had just given birth wow. when they got him out of there oh. with a bit of a thwump. That's, that's 
There's so the shaft invasion is not a new thing in this town. No, what? so he climbed in at about eleven o'clock on a Wednesday night and got um, oh, called for help at ten a.m. the next day. So he was up there for a while. You get us up with your shaft invasion stories. Where did the Melbourne's got an epidemic of shaft invasion? Mm. Imagine coming out covered in grease and fat. Top not out. <laughs> You're really gonna have to soak your clothes. Uh, yesterday, Seb, I took my wife and child along to Village Cinemas uh, for a bit of a Sunday outing, uh, Jam Factory, and we were going to see Zootopia, the new Disney animation. Mm. It's a lot of fun, I've mm. got to say. Um, always quite surprised at the uh, how you can tally up a bit of cost <laughs> at the cinema. Can you? Tickets, what? 58 bucks Gosh. for two adults and a child, and then uh, you're into the, um, the snack bar. Um, and I'll never get my head around the combos, but uh, we ended up with a couple of bottles of water, a massive box of popcorn, and a chock top. Uh, now we're up to about $81 into the cinema. Uh, I was really enjoying Zootopia. Um, little officer uh, hops there, uh, a, a rabbit making it big in the big city. She this joins the, the police force. The lead character of the film is called Officer Hops. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, she is... Uh, chasing a, a fox called Nick Fox, played by Jason Bateman. And uh, Zootopia, it's all different areas. That, like there's a, an ice area where the, you know, the polar bears live and there's a, <laughs> right. there's a tundra area. But you meant there was a low socioeconomic area where <laughs> well, there is. they were having some <laughs> issues. It's but, a lot of fun. Anyway, 45 minutes into the film, uh, Maggie announces, I don't like this. I don't like this story. It's like, come on, what about the little rabbit? Hang on, hang on. Little was rabbits. This, was this yeah. Maggie Maggie Mooney or Mag- Maggie Pomerantz? No, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was uh, Maggie Pomerantz and David combined into one. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> two, two out of five. Wind it up. Um, and so I, I, we tried to convince her. It's like, what about the little bunny? You know, she's battling big and she's like, no, nothing. Wouldn't have it. So out of there before the end of the film. Not yeah, that's right. No insuring that. Gosh, so after fifty eight dollars of tickets and twenty bucks a candy bar, yep, that's you got half a movie. We rolled. My goodness, um, and couldn't even work my way through the box of popcorn. Yeah. That was ambitious. And then somehow you ended up in a shaft at the jam factory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Moon Man. What are you apologising for? Well, today I removed from you the title of Melbourne's loosest man. All right. Yeah, but so- you, you dubbed me a loose unit, so. <laughs> Maybe it's a different category. Maybe it's a different weight division. It's a sub. We need to, what if the green jacket goes to the Masters champion? Mm. What sort of item goes to Melbourne's loosest unit? Well, as it turns out, a ventilator shaft, <laughs> a crown. Thanks for listening to the Triple M Breakfast Podcast. You can hear more from Seb Costello and Lawrence Mooney on Triple M in Melbourne from six till nine, or listen live from anywhere in the world at triplem.com.au. Thanks to Mighty Helpful Mitre Ten. They have a huge range of timber, and they'll go to any length to get you what you want on site, on time, in full. Check out your local store online.